On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. Today's guest makes me wish I had a middle name, or two, but it's okay, he gave me one of his. It's Danny Lee Blackwell of Nightbeats. I've wanted to have Danny on for quite a while, so I have to thank our mutual friend Paula. Without her, this episode probably would not have happened. Danny and I soon discovered that we have another mutual friend, Clyde Mays, and he keeps popping up when you least expect it. But we open the show with a cameo by Sam Cooke's Night Beats album and my dogs, Albert and Hammond. Danny grew up in Texas and talks about his unusual influences like Indian classical music and his brother's influence on his musical taste. He started off playing drums just to get into bands. That led to him playing out by the age of 15. But he has serious stage fright. And that anxiety reaffirmed that this was his calling. Danny left Texas for Seattle because he loved everything about the city. Plus, his sister was there. And that's where he started Night Beats. Danny talks about being open to magic in the studio and keeping things as raw as possible. He's worked with a lot of great musicians, including Robert Levon Ben of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, which is how I became familiar with it. Danny discusses how they met and how important Rob has been to him and to the band. The sound of Night Beats is always evolving, and that's evident in the new album Rajan and it is something special. I think part of that's because Danny is not a gearhead, but he's a collector. He's willing to experiment and seek out unusual sounds. Rajan is out on Suicide Squeeze and Fuzz Club Records. Go get it. And follow Danny at The Night Beats on Instagram and Twitter. Night Beats should be hitting the road soon, so keep an eye out for that. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. And you can help us out with coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or buy merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. Now let's get mysterious with Danny Lee Blackwell of Night Beats on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Stupid Zoom. <laughs> I liked your title, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to create a whole new link just so we can do intro. Yeah. That was like the last word of that one too. Okay, cool. Let me just jump into it. Yeah. Um, this is Danny Lee Blackwell of the Night Beats, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. This is Danny Lee of the Night Beats, and you're listening to perform. Uh, this is Danny Lee Blackwell. Uh, this is Danny Lee Blackwell of the Night Beats, and our new album Rajan comes out July 17th. You're listening to the Performance Anxiety Podcast with Mark Shea. We turn the sound off. Okay. All right. Hello, Mark. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm awesome. doing well. Just getting situated here. Oh, no problem, man. Take your time. We got, as long as, uh, as much time as you need. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Oh, gosh. Everybody, everybody's napping in my house. And so the, we didn't put the dogs away. And now <laughs> somebody must be walking in front of the house because they're, they're losing their minds right now. Of oh, course, no. of course, of course. They've been Perfect. quiet for literally two hours and haven't done a thing. Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely. They knew. They knew. Oh, they somehow. did. They, they felt you. <laughs> Albert, get out of here. Hey, Albert. Hey, it's C. Albert. There's Albert. Oh, yeah. There's Albert. Oh, hey, Albert. He's, <laughs> he's the hey. biggest derp ever. How old is he? Uh, I we think he's about two. He was a rescue. My my daughter rescued him. Um, oh, nice. I think he, Amazing. He's like a part pit bull, part lab, we think. Nobody's okay. really sure. But he, he's so dumb. He's so sweet. <laughs> he's so sweet. He just wants to love everything. But yeah. my my dog, he it was another rescue. He's a part was he he's part Australian Shepherd, part boxer. Okay. He's actually incredibly smart. Until the yeah, two of them get together like- and then they lose their minds. Yeah. So combined IQ of <laughs> let's say hundred fifty. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> so that could <laughs> that could yeah, go both ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, my dog. I'm just keeping it. I got my dog is staring out the window intently. <laughs> no worries. Oh my gosh. No worries. Albert, what are you doing? Oh my, all right. Well, we'll you could we'll, put on a, a YouTube channel of rain sounds <laughs> with no no thunder, and it might. Maybe that's might work. Oh, if I can wake somebody out. else up in the house and have them do it, that might work. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, take your time. Put these here. Well, I yeah, wanted. No I got two things before we get started. Two things that that sure. are like a constant presence with me right now. Mm-hmm. One is, oh, nice, you got it. Oh yeah, nice. On all the beautiful. Time. That's the one. I love that's it. The one. And I know, nice. I know you you quit drinking but mm, yeah oh cool cool the, nice. uh, i got the stupid filter on so it's not I, yeah you yeah, know the mother oil right the bmc yeah. one and i don't know how to do the one. filter i haven't cracked this open oh. yet there you go when you hold it there it's yeah there it's we in, go it's in focus i nice haven't thing. cracked okay. it open yet because i wanted to have well the only person from brmc i haven't had on yet is robert so oh, okay i want i've been trying to reach out to him to see if he'd come yeah. on and i can Try it with him. Do a little cheers, yeah. But I haven't been able to get up with him yet, so we'll see. I mean, this may get open no, before you know, that happens. We, we've we've created ways around this, believe it or not, Mark. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> cheers. There you go. A little coffee. A little oh, coffee. nice. nice. I, I'm actually, since I haven't cracked that open, I've got uh, Clyde Mays. Oh, nice one. It's Alabama. Oh, shit. I've had that before. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but it's not bad. I remember just being so blown away by the packaging and being like, I do definitely feel like either I have to, you know, this is like Rust Belt or I'm on my way and I've, <laughs> I've either arrived to California and this is the whiskey they got, or like, this is like something that someone gave me before I had to leave the Dust Bowl. And, uh, I think we were touring through the South at that time too. So, it was, well, that it makes was, sense because it says it's an Alabama whiskey. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, I lived in Alabama for ten years, and it, oh no shit, it's yeah. They they don't apparently they don't do whiskey as good as Tennessee. It's not bad, but it's not yeah. my favorite. But I yeah. bought it, so I have to finish it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Nothing against Clyde. Nice I mean, it's good. It's just not my favorite. Yeah, to I'm me, hoping, like, um, I'm hoping this becomes I'm an Irish favorite. whiskey. Yeah, I, I'm an Irish whiskey guy. Though. Oh, uh, that's definitely my favorites. I've always yeah. I'm, and this is kind of be, I don't, I 
don't know, but this has kind of become cliche in things. But I actually like Buffalo Trace a lot. Buff- really? Yeah. Buffalo Trace is yeah, I feel you. really good. But it, it, it's kind of become like a, uh, I don't know. I, I don't watch, a, I don't like doom scroll on social media much, but I follow a couple people who are, who are very knowledgeable about whiskey and they're like, well, mm. Buffalo Trace has kind of be kind of become that thing where you like Buffalo Trace because people say you should like Buffalo Trace. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. You know, there's this, I mean, where, where doesn't that shit happen though? You know, like it's true music, you know, big thing, big. music, guitars, cars, uh, state of mind. Oh, no, 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 we're not going to get so deep. I'm not right. giving you too much of a, <laughs> we're not gonna jump a warm in up here. We're not. Yeah. We got to, we got to build, into that yes yes absolutely so, so yeah to get to that place what i like to to do is kind of find out a little bit more about your background and how you got into music and how music became so important to you in the first place you're from texas originally right yes oh nice me, me too i was only i was only, I only lived in texas for three years but i was born in cool, Col- cool. born in colleen so Oh, nice one. All right. Colleen. Yeah. Cool, cool. Right about Fort Hood, really. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, my dad was in Fort Hood. My he was stationed in Fort Hood, like in the forties. Oh. So there's there's a little bit of history right there. Yeah. Yeah, um, my dad's there in the seventies. So crazy. So Yeah, well I guess technically, yeah, would have my dad so my dad was born in nineteen thirty five. Oh wow. From okay. the, he was in the south. He's like um well. Ardmore, Oklahoma really is where he's from. But then, yeah, as a teenager, military, and then he went to Fort Hood and uh, went to Germany at some point in between wars. So he wasn't, uh, you know, stationed over there during the World War II or nothing, but he was eligible, I think, technically by age. But yeah, he, he moved to California I don't know. And he didn't tell me much about that surprisingly, <laughs> which is during the sixties, man, he lived in Hayden Ashbury, apparently in, wow. in San Francisco, like during this, like he could have fucking Jimi Hendrix as his neighbor and he oh. wouldn't even have known it. Or at least he's not telling me like, <laughs> I, I don't know. So oh, full man. disclosure, there is some anonymity to my own life a little oh, bit. So. <laughs> wow. wow. So as far as like, you know, yeah, I grew up in Texas. I, I, I went to school in Dallas and I, I was raised by my brother. I lost my mother early to cancer, oh, but wow. uh, my brother took care of us. And um, I got a lot of my kind of musical exposure from him. And, uh, okay. and I can go more on about this later if you like, but just to give you quick, like, yeah. uh, I moved to Seattle after high school and then, um, but previous to high school, I was playing in bands and playing, I was, I just kind of at an early age was a, um, lover of music and, uh, nice. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play. I wanted to make bands. I wanted to, <laughs> to play guitar. I, I love music to like the point where I couldn't find, I, I, I find this a lot where like, you know, you become the thing that you need in the moment. So like if, um, you know, you need a, I mean, just like on a practical sense, like if you need to make dinner, you're going to learn how to cook or something, That's you know, point. you're going to cook for yourself. Very you know, good you're going to have to learn. So, um, down to like drumming was the first kind of thing that I, I kind of took on for like a band setting because like I was just trying to get bands together. I was trying to play and, and, and just make noise. You know, I loved all that just, I love a lot of music, so. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. 
Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as-needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day, and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen, and it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more, plus an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. Yeah. Uh, so like by the time I left Dallas, I was playing in bands, you know, like I had I played in, I had like fake ID and I was playing in bars and like, <laughs> you know, you, you know, we had a MySpace and it, it was actually even kind of before MySpace too. So okay. this is like emails and ads and, uh, my bandmates were older too. They were like all 28, 29. And, um, I was like 15, 16 through 17, I think, okay. uh, years of playing. And yeah, Seattle, I, I, I kind of called home after a while cause I moved up there and my sister was up there and I started playing up there a lot. And so yeah. what kind of music really hit a chord with you early on besides, you know, maybe night beats by Sam Cooke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what really well, made you want to play maybe is, is uh, the best way to, you know, that. I, I think if anything, one, one early one was a, uh, so blue, I was very blues adjacent, you know, okay. by being in Texas. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs in a, in a mixed race household. So like, it wasn't like I had an uncle that played guitar or anything, you know, I, okay. I was really, um, you know, kind of, uh, learning from what I could and, and art was always around. So, uh, the blues, man, like the blues were the songs that like, when I was coming into my own with my, even 
mental penmanship or whatever. I, I felt the blues said it all, you know? Okay. So, uh, I don't know. I see the blues in everything though. So like it, it doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that I, I just, uh, focused primarily on playing 12 bar blues or anything, but you know, part of being a bar, like a, a band that just like played and, and like was, you know, doing gigs and stuff, there was, um, room for experimentation, like in my writing, but, mm -hmm. um, for as the songs I put together for like playing live and like, uh, you know, 30 to 50 to an hour long set, like, uh, you know, those songs were, were meant to bring life to whatever it was. Yeah. So, you know, music, punk rock to eventually psychedelic rock, but I saw psychedelic rock through Indian classical, which I was really exposed to also at an early age. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, very lucky for that. Um, there's a really big cl Indian classical music scene in Dallas, actually. Really? And it was actually just through my brother's like college friend or something that we we kind of had like the know on like when you know Ali Akbar Khan was playing or like when Sh Ravi Shankar was coming through town or something. Wow. And would be at some like student hall somewhere or like some random theater, like Moody Theater at SMU, or you know, like it'd be some spot that like you know, it was just to me incredible. And we would go to quite a bit and it was a range of things from like kind of Carnactic singing, singing style, yeah. which is a, you know, very dramatic, very, very modal. I don't, I don't really study music theory that much, but it is a, um, it's fascinating whether or not, you know, you know, like yeah, it's <laughs> trippy, it's trippy, like it's psychedelic and oh, that, cool. that's, that's something that we could talk about too, you know, like yeah. the, the nature of like what that means and like, uh, like how it gets misread a lot and misinterpreted and, okay, yeah. um, yeah, you know, I'm not so, yeah, familiar Indian, with that. So I would, I would love to learn more about that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Indian classical music and then the, the blues music. I don't know. Soul music. You, know, you can't um, escape the blues from in Texas. I mean, man, it's again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like kind of in it, you know, like yeah. when I'm there and like what, the places I'm playing in Dallas too, you know, they're all named after like blind lemon Jefferson or Robert Johnson, you know, lightning yeah. Hopkins, like all these people. So like, to me, that was also around the time when I was uh, old enough to figure out how like Kazaa and like Napster and like oh, LimeWire Lime and like Wire. all of those yeah. old school ones used to work, you know? Oh yeah. So I'm just downloading everything. <laughs> I got like a journal. I'm like taking notes on stuff and you know, I'm just trying to study, you know, okay. like this is the shit I want to study. This is stuff I love to learn. Cause to me it's, it's just, yeah, it's the, it's kind of unlocks layers of, I think understanding of something has the, potential to like unlock a deeper love of something. Oh, I agree. Know? I agree. So, yeah. And, um, so how old were you when you really, when you, when you started playing out live uh, with, with bands and other uh, 15, 15. 15. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And 15 was my first show. How long into that did you realize that this was something that you wanted to pursue as I mean, for, I guess for lack of a better word, career or profession, I mean, it's, it's more of a, I guess I would think 13. it's more of like a vocation, but yeah, 13. Wow. Okay. So yeah. I what, mean, once I started playing guitar and I, and I, I really started to get a grip on certain things about it. So you knew even before you, you were out in front of an audience that this was what you wanted to do. In a way, yeah. Wow. You know? A lot of times yeah. I'll hear that it was, you know, I got out and the audience reacted and I was like, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. But to hear no, it, I had mad stage fright. 
Really? I had like, yeah, I, I had like really weird, and I still do have like weird ticks of um, like under the skin anxiety to where like it doesn't really have anything to do like with like the amount of people or the like big small. Sometimes like early on, it would get triggered by the, just the act of being on a stage and under lights. It, it just it would make me like um, just kind of like have to go to this place where there's like anything I've maybe tried to remember or try to like practice or something yeah. is gone. Oh, it's no. gone. <laughs> so in a way that free fallingness of it gave me some sense of like, if I could free fall and like achieve something while I'm free falling, not achieve, but like if I could, if I could do a job, if I could do the job while I'm free falling, then maybe there's something to that, you know, okay. like the, the uh, release or like the submission or something, the, the, the kind of acceptance of, of what is at that moment, man, yeah. like that, that kind of started to blow my skirt up. So really? I was really feeling good about like, you know, this is now a place where the, I could, I could take those songs and, and you know, like bring them to life. Like I could like bring, bring something to it that can, that is now shareable. You know, the, the way that I felt hearing certain bands at a young age, watching them play or listening to certain things and my brother's Walkman, like those are the things that I thought I noticed at an early age that gave meaning and purpose in a way to a lot of things. This was this pre night beats. Was this, you know, just playing in, in other bands? Yeah. Yeah. This is a few different groups. I started writing as night beats. 2007, 2008, 2007, but I was kind of working on the concept in Dallas. I bet you, if you look under some like notebook for my chemistry class, I'll, I'll have like <laughs> night beats, bubble letters written somewhere, you know, working on that typeface, <laughs> working on that logo. When did you start writing your own music? Uh, Writing my own music. So, um, I probably had my earliest, like kind of like recordings you can probably track down, which would have been on something like this. And it's like, it's a tape oh, cassette wow. recorder. Yeah. I think I, I found some dating from like, let's see, when did, uh, evil empire come out? Oh, by wow. rage against the 96, 97, something like that. Okay. It's, so it, was, it must have been like a year or two after that. Oh, wow. Okay, man. Renick, you know, I, I'm just like, I like to experiment with little things if I get, if I have the chance. So the, those are the kind of toys that I liked, you know, in a way. Okay. And, and playing with poetry, you know, like writing things and showing it to my brother, feeling embarrassed about it, you know, not, go, not doing anything <laughs> with it. And then eventually when I, around like 15, when I, or like 13 or so, when I, when I started really just, stealing my cousin's guitar at this point it wasn't really borrowing anymore um <laughs> i uh i just tried to yeah the the songwriting process started you know before it was a um before it is what i know it is now if that makes sense yeah so embryonic sure yeah yeah Ooh, love that word um that's a good one <laughs> i try <laughs> it's good it's good i'll, I'll um, credit that one to clyde mays <laughs> <laughs> thank you Clyde <laughs> thank you Clyde good old Clyde in his vast vocabulary um, makes me smarter yeah I, I believe it <laughs> um, me and my dumb dog <laughs> Alfred I don't know where Albert went he's gone uh, Albert that's hilarious anyway 
you were doing embryonic songwriting <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in 96 or so around the time of evil empire from Drake. yeah yeah something like that i think uh the the first time i i brought like a, a song to like a dr- another person like a drummer for instance um Traeger, my old buddy from Texas too, who played in the group for the first couple of years, he was like the touring group for the first couple of years. He, he was uh, one of the first drummers I played with. And, um, but before that, even there was just sort of a few folks in my, in my neighborhood that we would play together, you know, like him and like, uh, one neighbor had like a drum kit and kind of like a, kind of a jam room. Like there's like a few amps and, uh, I, you know, I'd bring over my cousin's guitar and there was a bass that his name's Zach, Zach's older brother would have. And, you know, we kind of just all jam and like, we're, we're all kind of nerds anyway too. So like we were doing things anywhere from like King Crimson songs to like, uh, you know, some blues shit that we just wanted to go wild on give each other sections to solo you know this kind of stuff i wasn't in band but he was in band you know like um i I was in jazz band for one day and and then i couldn't hack it (laughs) because like i wanted to play jazz drums man and they gave me one snare and told me to learn theory and i said "Uh -uh, no man (laughs) get caged this this bird you know i don't know just so no no fucking discipline dude you know not, not, not into it who are you to tell me how to count you know Stuff like that, like <laughs> just tied a little bitch, you know. Like what can I say? But it, it was great because, like, I got along with the musicians from from like those you know classes. Like the, some of my friends from like school and stuff were like in jazz band, so they they knew certain things, and I didn't know shit. But we all loved music, and right. it was fun. So, I, you know, I don't know if that's like songwriting, really, but there's definitely like practice from that you know yeah. like practice with the capital p you know like the art of like playing with people and listening to people and and yeah. seeing how things can inspire you and you know and learning creating... how to play in a group yeah yeah exactly you know not exactly. making sure everybody has has space in the right. setting exactly yeah so night beats i mean i guess technically formed in seattle then right what made you move up to seattle Seattle was a city where I felt like musically I wanted to plant some roots. My sister was living in Seattle. So that was a good incentive because we're really close friends and, you know, I have, I wanted to be my family. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was looking for a place to put some roots, I guess. That's what else could I say? Um, well, that's pretty awesome though. I mean, it's, it's doesn't have to be more than that really, right? Yeah, I mean, I love you know, I love Nirvana. I love Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. Oh, there you I, go. I love, I love the you know Quincy Jones. I love, I love things about Seattle. I love the Sonics. You know, like I love things about Seattle that were just so like to me. Like I wanted to put something. I wanted to put my king or really my queen on a certain square to where I was able to to really play the the board. And and I knew that like if I was in Seattle, I'd be further enough away from from other things that would would be a little bit of a you know when they plop a person in the woods spirit journey type of situation yeah i don't know you know it's just something to um kind of like how we're talking about the free fall a little bit right. you know a place where you, you really know. you're not familiar with anything it, it's a whole different experience for you you're not yeah, familiar with anything there right and even austin was too close and austin texas being so near and dear to like you know as a texan austin is i mean 
a musician in Texas too. It kind of just makes sense. Yeah. But uh, again, it just didn't seem like the right move. Okay. At so the you, time. You're going with your gut. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Exactly. I respect that. That's amazing. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's not easy to just get up. I mean, you said your sister was up there, but still, that's one person. Yeah. It's not easy to uproot your whole life and move anywhere, whether or not you know anybody or not. Yeah, I guess, you know, like young and dumb, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ready. In there. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, you know. No, I think it was cool. It was a good move. Is there something about the Sam Cooke album that you loved enough to, or maybe I should say, what is it that you loved about the Sam Cooke album that made you name your entire band after Nightbeat? Yeah, good question. Um, For one, I love the word Nightbeats. I just love those words. I love seeing it on that album. I love even the typeface that he used, you know, just like the the moment in time that the album cover can say is or represent is really interesting to me. Of course, the music to it is to me, one of the great, great sort of, I'm trying to think of a word bigger than a word. Um, It encapsulates just the soul of a singer in a moment where I think that record is the, is like kind of the perfect Sam Cooke record for multiple reasons but one being it it's like a poised sort of like world wind kind of thing like oh, it, it, okay. it seems to me this record that it's, it's sam cook in, in his element to where he is the saddest the happiest the most blind the most foreseeing you know like yeah. I, 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 the, I the the album itself i could talk about for days but i i think that like the combination of me forming night beats under the moniker comes from what those and of course you grow meaning to things over years too you know like yeah. to me i wanted i wanted words that were in a way pretty broad you know like nights i mean now again there's so many night bands and i'm sure there were before hell there was even a night beats before i even knew like in the 50s so it didn't really yeah i found out of course after the fact but it's it's funny because like it at the end of the day i am i'm a i'm a rhythm person i love to study and listen to things with an appreciation for rhythm so like i know that sounds kind of like basic or something but the idea is that conceptually just a beat is all you need and something as all consuming as nighttime casts a certain aura to something you know yeah um, it, it, it lends itself to a to a mood or an atmosphere for whatever you're yeah. naming that exactly so like the kind of pictures that i could create in my head with like the the idea of like what night beats is is to me it was like a it was an interesting thing because I could go to a lot of different places. You know, I can go to like the smoky jazz club. I can go to the punk rock bar. I can go to the psychedelic light show. I could, I can go to the intimate folk setting. I could, I could play in the street corner, you know, I could do whatever it is and it's night beats. And, you know, the goal of a lot of things here is not to, how do you say, uh, it's, it's never meant to be a, a, traditional 
band like the idea of like what a band is is determined by tv and movies like who the fuck cares like <laughs> the concept of like a you know a fab four sweet right on i can count their records on my shelf i don't need to argue about that right. like but the the concept that people usually have with these things is uh it's it's like kind of um it's predetermined by like what uh, pop culture is telling us it is so um the idea of being an not like putting myself as as Danny Lee in the back and having the moniker to work with made it always about the music. So if there was a time when I wanted to change something or to reaffirm its fluidity or, you know, right. like different tries in different places with different sounds and have complete freedom. I just don't know if I've met another asshole like me <laughs> to, to, to really like <laughs> be comfortable with like really fighting for stuff. You know, I can already fight with myself enough about ideas. Right. Like if I'm supposed to bring something in and like sell it to like a bassist or something guys three other guys yeah. two girls like i don't know like what the fuck am i doing like yeah. i think you have to earn that you know and okay. uh maybe it was like some toxicity or something from early on that made that like clipped a wing in some metaphorical sense but like honestly i felt the most free writing just not just without names and borders and things like right. that so nightbeat says yeah it's a, it's a pseudonym more than anything and it okay. and it comes from my my love of that record and the fact that r&b and soul music is really kind of the silver thread to everything which you know you could you could talk about the blues you could talk about what psychedelic means you could say you could say a lot but it's a it's a simple thing We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell ya, I have small ear canals, uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business. And I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. You answered the, the next question I had already, which was, was, was the band, the quote unquote band intended to be a solo project from the beginning. And 
sounds like the original intent was for it to be something that's you and then you can mold it however you want as you go. In a way, you know, like at the end of the day, like I was writing songs and, you know, I always wanted to be in a band, you know, I always wanted a gang. I always wanted people <laughs> that like had my back, you know, and, um, I, you know, James Traeger, one of my, one of my best friends there, like he believed in the music at an early time and me and him were able to tour that music as a two piece, eventually a three piece. And so like, if it's something like, so I, I embrace what I, what I've been fortunate to come in contact with musically and creatively. And the idea of it being a one man project, and this is a question I get a lot too, because it, it definitely seems to kind of confuse people, but I just don't really, I'm not interested in defining things certain ways, right. you know, okay. um, you know, the, the, co the concept of a calling card that says one man band or multi-instrumentalist or songwriter slash leader something it's though that's not my job you know i res i respect the the art of of trying to figure it out but i definitely i, I see it just as if, we, if we're going still with night beats it's uh it's these songs that i've literally played for you know now 16 years that began as a recording in my girlfriend's basement one day played with now the 10th or so drummer bassist. Sometimes I want a harmonica play up there, a heart player. Um, you know, maybe I'll get the chance to play with a wicked keyboardist, you know? So like, it's a mindset, you know, maybe tribal and it's, and it's origin, I guess, you know, oh, okay. And maybe something begins with something, but it, becomes more and it, yeah. you know, the concept of ownership over these things don't, at least, you know, I, I don't think it really concerns me, you know, okay. Um, okay. the music is for the people. So, um, the first album, mm -hmm. <laughs> man, that thing is bonkers. I gotta tell you, it's, <laughs> thank you, man. It, it is so wild. It's <laughs> pure psych. It is amazing. I mean, it is a psych distilled. I can definitely hear some of the influences. I hear way more like 13th floor elevators and Sonics and all than than the soul and the, and the R and B in this one. But mm -hmm. it's like, ain't a ghost. I, that mm -hmm. is such a cool song. That sounds like a, like a, like maybe like Brian Jonestown massacre or early BRMC. If like mm -hmm. Joe Meek was engineering it. <laughs> It's cool. <laughs> I, well, that's what I love about it. It's just such a, an amazing sound. Yeah, I love it. so. Oh, thank you. Is that you doing everything? Yeah. I mean, is that just start to finish you drumming, playing everything? And so that first record, I wanted it to be live. So like oh, we wow. we had, yeah, it was it was a three piece for for the most part. Some tracks I came in and did on my own, but really I wanted to get the that live sort of like nastiness and. Just with that whole record, thank you for saying that. I mean, it's uh, it's supposed to be that first sort of like you have to show almost 
the most raw kind of thing in the beginning, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I want to see like, to me, like honesty is it, you know, yeah. like, like the, the, the idea of like singing about something and, and it coming from a certain place that's up to the listener to decide. Right. But I think that, you know, I, I'd agree with you in the sense that like, it does have like this sort of, you know, just real aggressive straight up thing. And that, that's just where my mind was, you know, at that time. And yeah. I felt like it was a really good chance to, 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 you know, <laughs> mission accomplished. Cause it's insane. Uh, I, I, you, I fell in love with it, but are you Appreciate at that. that point, the primary or sole songwriter? It was, yeah, there were songs that were brought in and in a way, you know, you collaborate with people. So like, um, I wasn't, I, the way I, I work generally is I come in with the song written and if magic happens, it happens, you know, there, there could be a beat that, that Traeger plays, or there might be something that I just kind of ask for last minute, but it, you know, I, I believe in collaboration, man. You know, I think it needs to, if, if the time is right and it feels right, then you just have to follow the feeling. But, um, yeah, you know, like it, it was, it was definitely live band. So, so you're collaborating with everybody. It's, it's more of a, you've got the idea and letting the other guys bring themselves into the music. Is that, am I understanding that right? Yes, essentially. Yeah. You know, like the, the communication that I can get between who's playing with me is, is ultimately how, how the idea gets, you know, fulfilled. Like it needs to be natural. For instance, I might come in and ask for, or even like kind of play something on either bass or guitar and like kind of work with someone through an idea and they'll do it differently and it'll and and it might be better might not you know it depends on the song depends on what we're trying to do as long as everyone's there to you know serve the song you know it's it's kind of a common trope these days but it's it's the truest thing in the world is that musicians are here to serve the music yeah you know yeah and um yeah, it was, it was a long ass time ago too. So I'm trying to <laughs> yeah, remember what twenty eleven. It was in Tacoma. Uh, tw- twenty. Uh, I think maybe oh nine oh ten. Okay, perhaps. Yes, yeah, I'm looking at this guy. She was the re- uh, release year of, of two thousand eleven. Doesn't tell me exactly okay. what. I mean, it could gotcha. have been January. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at just right years right uh, now. Man. I spent a lot of time in that warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think uh, that's probably right. 2010 sounds right. Okay. It all kinds of yeah. turns to blend together. Apparently. Sure. Does. <laughs> it just all melts, most just kind of mushes together into one weird memory at that point, after a certain point. Uh, yeah, for sure. So Sonic Bloom comes out and it's not as crazy Mm-hmm. A little more soul and, and R&B influence in, in, in what I can hear, but it's still real heavy on the psych, which is so cool. album that I actually knew 
from Night Beats was Who Sold My Generation. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember, I think it was maybe BRMC had mentioned it on something, or, or but I remember finding mm-hmm. out about it and seeing that cover and mm-hmm. that GMA body on there. I'm not sure if it is a Chevelle or, or a, a Pontiac. Buick, yeah. Buick, oh, oh a, yeah. was it a Skylark or a GS? I think it's a Skylark. Oh, man. man. See, my the ticker is also waning on my side, too. I'm <laughs> trying to remember. I think yeah. it was a 65 Buick um, or maybe 67 Buick. It uh, looks Skylark, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. I have terrible memory, so I usually write these things down on paper. It Let me see looks if I can... wicked. I mean, it. Yeah. you guys, and, and I think that's part of, part of what drew me in, because you guys look like the villains in a movie like Tulane Blacktop or something. And I'm, cool, like, man. I'm like, yes. Okay, I'm into this. I gotta check this out. So that's good. That's the, the power of artwork. Exactly. You get there drawn you in by by the the marquee and the GMA mm. body on the. Uh, exactly. On the <laughs> now, exactly. That's I know cool. Robert Bin had contributed to that to that were you working with him before this or was this the first time that you started really collaborating with him that was the first time how did that you guys was, I think the first time how did you guys start to collaborate um, how did you meet we met at a show uh i was playing a show in la okay. um actually on tour we were doing some shows with ty back in ty siegel um oh, and his yeah. band i think we were playing the el rey theater i think and and uh yeah my friend nick was there and nick jodowin he's a producer he's just he runs valentine right now he's an old friend of mine great guy okay he'd worked on spectre at the feast which was the last brmc record at the time yeah and um one of my favorites too yeah i love that record man oof beautiful and uh yeah robert was there and we and we just kind of got to speak a little bit and um you know generally with someone I really, really respect. I, I just tried to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I really tried, but it's really hard though. Yeah. Sometimes I know. I mean, criticism I get with I, the podcast is I talk too much. Yeah. Well, no, you, you're great, Mark. You're perfect. <laughs> oh, you, thank you. You, make, you make this amazingly comfortable. So thank you for oh, that. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, no, really. All right. I'll um, shut up all the critics. <laughs> yeah. Shut up y'all. <laughs> you heard it from here. That's right. Uh, it uh it, it was really uh just sort of a moment where i was able to meet someone that i really really respected you know and i'd seen play way more times than he probably knows you know at this point <laughs> <laughs> so over the years i have maintained this lie yeah right yeah band's pretty yeah band's good your second record yeah you know that's good stuff Bro, <laughs> i was obsessed with those records how it changed my life you oh. know like yeah to, to me i think that record was one of the the most like one of the coolest moves, you know, to, to, um, I, I love take them on, on your own, that second record. I think that they were just like getting real shoegazy with it. And yeah, I had punk times, but it was real pretty. Like I, I thought something about it was maybe I was a little partial. Cause it was, I think it was the first record I heard from them before, um, you know, like even spread your love and like yeah. first, first self-titled, but it, to me, it checked also so many boxes because it was, it was incredibly, it was gospel music and mm-hmm. it was psychedelic and it was blues and it was never drinking the 
the Kool-Aid, you know, of like that bar blues bastardization shit that happens, you know, like it stays away from like those, those pitfalls, which they've, you know, avoided so, so much. And it's like, it, to me, it was a, it was a beautiful record. And yeah, yeah I love hearing just like a, and uh, a stomping acoustic guitar as the first track. Yeah. You know, like soul, baby. It, you know, oh, like, God, that, that yeah. house it says so many great songs on it. But make you wait for stuff. It's great. I love, I love it when artists take their time. And it was so worth the wait, though. It was definitely so good. And then the little EP that they did afterwards with. Yeah, I got that too. Wishing I got well. that too. Mercy. Yeah. That uh, song, Mercy. Gosh, man. Uh, beautiful uh, shit. Anyway, all right. So. We're not, we're not here to gush over BRMC, no matter <laughs> no matter how much we, we want to. We could do a whole episode yeah, on could. them, maybe. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> we could. So, so, so yeah, I, I got to meet Robert through through that show. Right. Um, okay. And uh, we we ended up just like kind of riding each other a bit, and uh, eventually I was working on Who Sold My Generation, and um, I had a few songs like Vultures and uh, Wolf and b-side songs and um and then there was there was just a a, a few that really were in this early kind of stages and it would have you know in a it was just such an honor to think of him wanting to work on it you know what i mean like as in like like what kind of baseline do you hear here for instance like right wrong for instance like i love the baseline that he does on that song sort of like he understands like what all that stuff I was talking about before about like what a group is and like what it means to create and like writing just freely and things. And, and that's where it should, that's where it should begin. You know, like, I think that's where it really should any sort of Genesis of people trying to make cool shit together, you know, oh, trying yeah. to, try to elevate their spirit from, you know, he understands that. Yeah. And when you get, two talented people like yourselves together, man, it, it can only be awesome. And I, I love that album. Mm, Porque Manana. So oh, See. last train to See Jordan. Way. I mean, Egypt Berry. I love Egypt Berry. That is such a cool thank you, track. Thank you. Encore live. Oh man, I got yeah, it. Come on out, man. We got you. Oh, you, you got you come to the East Coast. I'm there. 
Okay. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Clyde. What's the Clyde over there? There he is. There's old Clyde. (laughs) Thank you, Clyde. He's even on the bottle. There I know. I was tripping out on that. I was like, what year is it, man? I want you to have a hat. <laughs> Time travel and shit. Better not be moonshine. Better not be fucking moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they sell that now. It's, I mean, how, it can't be they moonshine do. if they actually they, sell it in the store, right? It's not. It's not. It's not moonshine. It's definitely not moonshine. No. They call it Moon Moon June or some shit. Like It's oh. like a weird brand that I've seen. Yes. It comes in like a big mason jar looking Mm -hmm. yeah i haven't tried all these tropical ass flavors yeah that's not moonshine Uh, moonshine moonshine uh is supposed to either make you drunk or go blind yeah come on that's it you know neither this time makes me just like (laughs) feel yeah disoriented you can't you can't use it in a in in a cocktail come on you can but you most (laughs) definitely don't i think it's you you kind of, it's like play doh you know you can put it into anything like you can make a little Lego house with a little bit of play doh around it no okay anyways <laughs> visually digress for a second there yeah it's all right it's all right it's, uh, all right so and then you do you went and did an entire cover of the Sonic's Boom album yeah how did that sir. idea come about um I love the Sonics. I love, love the Sonics. I got that CD from CD Source in Dallas, Texas, when I was 14 or so. We were, let's see, that would have been right before Myth of a Man. Yeah. And how did it happen, man? <laughs> it's been a while. How do these, how do these things? I mean, the, we recorded it at Ultrasound in, in Los Angeles, which is a really cool studio. And I had some friends join in, and it became like a real nice kind of just hurrah kind of thing for about three days and i don't know i don't know i can't answer like i think that um there was a chance to do another record with the with heavenly you know my my, the label at the time the uk-based label heavenly heavenly recordings and i had always kind of pitched this idea of wanting to do a cover record of like one of my favorite bands. It's, it's usually like forever changes or something, or, you know, maybe some like Magnus Opus or something. And then, you know, I think there's just, we, we had been playing some version of skinny mini during soundcheck, or I'd been working on it somehow. And it turned into sort of just a recording session. That was the full album. We just set a date and, and, and did it. Magical, man. What that can I say? Awesome. So this was a yeah. real fast production then. You... Yeah, yeah, it's quick, man. Is... Just try to get most of the stuff live and, you know, take take the take, you know. We're not, it's not perfect, dude. It's not supposed to be like a, uh, it's supposed to be wild and free. I don't yeah. know. Everything is supposed to be wild and free. Not overthinking so. it. Exactly. So, but, of course, in that process, way, way overthinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you got to, yeah. when, you, when you're recording an entire album, of it's a cover of another in, album you know front to back mm-hmm. you can't help but worry about it a little bit so i i understand that 
Yeah, you want to do it justice, you know. Exactly. You want to you want to honor those people. So it was so stuck too because I I got to meet Dusty Watson recently, who's been playing drums for 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 the Sonics for a long time. Yeah, I got to give him a record, and that was a full circle kind oh, of moment, you know. Awesome. Yeah, that felt good. That felt good. Then there's Myth of a Man. Mm -hmm. The sound changed a lot with that. There is a lot less 13th floor elevators, a lot more Mm -hmm. Sam Cooke in this one, Mm -hmm. and and a lot of Western desert feel to that album to me. I was almost, I guess I would say amazed by it because Mm -hmm. it was such a step forward to me in in the songwriting and everything Mm -hmm. just... It, it sounded more expansive and it might be one of my favorites because I love, like, am I just wasting my time? I need to know if you are okay with me by your side. Oh, have I lost my mind? Please tell me soon. Am I Maybe that's one of the better examples of what I mean by how, how I feel like it sounded like everything was a step forward. But my favorite is definitely Too Young to Pray. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing song. I oh, love you, that song you. so much. So don't you Was there a reason that, that the sound shifted? Because it does. It's it sounds less like a a psych freak out like the first like the first night beats and more mm. more I don't want to say subdued, but more more Sam Cooke than Thirteen Floor sure. Elevators. I see. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. That's music to my ears. I think because um, yeah, there, there's definitely some questions about like how about this record because you've expressed it like it's a, it's a, described as a step away or something sometimes, and I never really understand what that means because I mean I step away from a bus, I right. step away from, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you know, if someone starts taking their clothes off like down the street, I might cross, yeah. you know, and, and like go to the other side. Depending, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a symptom of maybe what I have for breakfast that morning. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the, the idea that something is supposed to sound like something is the, is my fear. And I think to a, uh, abolish that fear is to is to not it's not about not caring it's more about being just doing exactly what you want at all times like in that world you are supposed to do exactly what you want and it doesn't matter and 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 i'm kind of uh 
at least like amongst my friends too, that I work with, I, I could be a little too hard sometimes because like, you know, they might have everything ready for me, like for like maybe a music video shoot, just like if I like to involve my friends in something, you know, like we'll get together and they'll be like, Oh, this is all perfect. This place is beautiful. This is really nice. And we have this da 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 da. I'm like, right. But we, we need to come back to the, the very, very, very source of everything here. And this it comes down to that same place in Nashville. And it is, how does it feel? Does it feel like I'm being creatively free here? Or does it feel like there are forces around me that are causing or maybe subconsciously telling me that I need to sound a certain way. And if it's the latter, then I walk. So yeah. the most important thing about that experience was that there was no influence from like previous record later record stuff i was already working on because I, I already had had written a lot of stuff that were kind of in a way planning to be that fourth record but i had gone into this the situation where like where dan auerbach was interested in just getting in a room together and to me a life is short same way that I got to meet Robert and create beautiful music. That was an expression of freedom, creativity, all these, these things that I, I really dig. Let's see what this looks like. And next thing I know I'm in Nashville and I'm getting to sit in with these musicians that have been back, you know, they've backed like Bill Withers to Elvis Presley to wow. Aretha Franklin, to the, just like every little hero you could think of that they have been. So even just from an experience of like a, just a person trying to, like live and, and, and experience these things. I, I had to do it. I had to like, oh, just yeah. see what it was like, you know? And you know, it, th- songs, songs are supposed to be real things that like are, are in, in my mind, like, like they're living and they're moving things. So like, if they don't sound the way you intend them to sound, then, you know, that's, there might be, another dimension going on, you know, at the same time, Okay, you know, and far be it from me from, from saying like, if something sucks, then you should think twice because you can think something sucks. That's cool. I think a lot of stuff sucks. So, um, you know, (laughs) you could please beat your own drum at the rhythm or pace or whatever you feel like in life. But, uh, I, I think that, you know, if there is a departure, it's very much, um, I, the beholder. And, you know, I, I kind of love this question because I really get to see, a perspective on this and that that is it's really fun to me actually um it, at first it was no fun at all it was oh, just really? like so what's the band you know like you, you changed man you went to nashville yeah. you got got all country i'm like all stuff, i'm from texas like, yeah. like what are you talking about like <laughs> I, you know what that's that's nice though you you apparently like something that i did before and you just kind of like want more of that but ultimately that's not my goal right i mean you don't want to stagnate. Why, why make the same album over and over again? Exactly. That just doesn't interest me making like a, a second Sonic bloom or third generation. Like, fuck that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't interest me as a listener to be, to be yeah, honest. It's, it's, it's unfair to the listener. Really? I think, yeah. you know, it's, it treats like the listener, like they're idiots or something like yeah. that. They are. Ex- okay, cool. I could do, Muppet on a ping, you know, I could do fucking ain't a roast. I don't know. You could, you can make a million songs that aren't sort of like the old stuff, but 
It's not fun. No, nothing interesting about that. And basically what you're telling the audience is that I know you're going to buy this. So I'm just going to keep doing the same thing over and exactly. over again. So I'm and, not even going to put and, any effort into it. Exactly. So no, thank you. Thank so you. to me, it was, a, it wasn't a step aside. It was a step forward because I really liked how the sound broadened. Mm-hmm. So. I appreciate that, man. All right. Well, we, you mentioned Dan Auerbach. So we kind of, I was going to ask you how you met him, but he, so he reached out and, and expressed interest in working with you then. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. my understanding. Yeah. That that is- the whole, the easy eye people in, in Nashville were just really, really kind. And, you know, I definitely was like kind of curious to see what was out there as far as like, you know, people that were heroes of mine that I could yeah. maybe, you know, play a little music with yeah. at some point, see where it goes. You exactly. know, that's it. <laughs> well, that's, it turns into an album. I mean, that's cool. one of the reasons why I do this podcast. I want to get people that I admire yeah. and, and, and just talk to them about what you guys do. And it's, it, yeah. you know, if I've got somebody who says, Hey, this person's interested. Yeah. Uh, let's see where it goes. Let's yeah. Somebody I appreciate I, that. Somebody I may yeah. know, somebody I may not know. So I'm just, I want to learn. That's, that's, I just like learning. So. Likewise, man. Likewise. And yeah, no, what you do is really important. It's, it's an incredibly important thing because like what we are able to as songwriters is, is to, is to give maybe a perspective or an understanding of something yeah. or to give the space to understand something without judgment and having a, a great conversation like this with you is, you know, there's, there's a lot of bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of shitty ones. <laughs> there's a lot of like, tell me about they'll, you know, they'll try to find something and be like, man, can we just like speak as people please? So I appreciate yeah. what you do. And, oh, and thank you for that, Mark. Well, I, really I, try to, do appreciate. I like conversation. I don't like bullet point interviews. I hate those mm-hmm. boring. The, it's uh, kind of a drag. So the next album, Outlaw R&B, which I think might be the most aptly titled album in your your discography. To me, to my uneducated musically ears, uneducated musically, that is a horrible sentence. A musically uneducated ears. There you go. It sounds like... <laughs> it's still it, false, but go ahead. All right, all right. It yeah. sounds kind of like a, a mix of Myth of a Man and the earlier stuff. There's, there's a little more of the psych in it, but it, it's not a step backwards. It's a combination of, of the earlier sounds along with Myth of a Man. And I think that's fascinating. And mm. you started working with Robert again on this one, I believe, right? There's at least that one single. That's all you got. that's all you got i believe never look back is uh we got mr bean on the bass and i think those two were that it was you know the the world was in a funky place at that time so it was a little harder to do everything we wanted to really but um he was there definitely spiritually and you know (laughs) as much as he could in the studio so that album did come out in the midst of the whole pandemic so were you 
writing and performing that during that time? Because I've heard a lot of albums that were written and ready to go as the pandemic was unfolding and everything got mm. delayed. So mm. was Ala R&B the case of an album that got delayed or was it created no. during the pandemic? It was created during the pandemic. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that a recorded by you during the pandemic? Was I mean, is it just you or were you doing yes. the file sharing thing or? It, it was me walking into Valentine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Valentine studios is a great recording studio. So that's where I recorded it. So yeah, it was me going in there. I had my friend chase do some drums. She's a phenomenal drummer on stuck in the morning and parts of never look back. I, I like to try to do different things with drum beats, like different kind of tricks and things with like getting certain sounds. Okay. So, so there's a uh, partial beats of, of chase, uh, Noel, she's awesome. And we had, uh, this great house group play with us on that's all you got for a few takes. My buddy Sam came in. It, it was kind of a loose kind of spot, you know, okay. for certain tracks. Other times it's just me, Nick, you know, Nick's the genius behind the board. So you are a lover of analog recordings I mean, mm-hmm. and are you still using as much analog as you can or have have you kind of switched over at this point with every you know being locked down to rec- re- writing and recording uh r and b how did that all work so at the end of the day i would use analog as much as i could if this was you know back when people would just keep tape rolling during sessions because it was, you know, 50 cents or something to roll. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Lollipop was like a penny. I don't know. Back when tape was cheap. Tape. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, um, I don't know if that was ever a phrase. I just made that up. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, it definitely was cheaper. It was cheaper than it was now. Yeah. You know, I, I think at the, at the heart of it, I, I'm not loyal to anything in that world because I think it could set up limitations okay. potentially, you know, I could, I could love frescoes, but it doesn't mean I'm only going to go wait for like a giant wall in the <laughs> South of Italy to paint, you know, like I'm right. going to, I'm going to make what I can while I can, you know? So to me, uh, I'll always choose just what sounds better. And, um, I'm a fan of, the texture that analog recording gives it, but I think uh, performance is most important. Okay. So, so, yeah. so performance, I've mm-hmm. been meaning to ask you this, but I got so involved in their albums. I, I forgot to ask you about touring. So mm-hmm. You're basically the founding member and you've, there's been a lot of people coming in and out of the band over the years. Have you done a lot of touring and is that maybe part of the reason that that there's a lot of been a lot of people coming in and out i know touring is so mm-hmm. difficult with musicians mm-hmm. yeah. having to have jobs and families and things like that yeah yeah uh yeah fair question it it is something to where if you are yeah you tour yes so there's a lot of touring man there's a lot of touring that's gone over the years and just logistically it's hard for people you know like for people who want maybe they have a kid and they want to you know start a lumber company or you never know like people are are the the folks that i get the pleasure of playing with are there you know again to be a part of this this project in this this moment and i go with my gut a lot. Okay. So 
there's been tours where I've met people briefly before even tour starts. But, you know, when you, when tour is something that you have kind of ingrained in your system after a while, and just the ability, like we were talking about before, where like, even at a young age, I was just playing with friends and friends, brothers and sisters, and just people that was around. And if they could like, if they had rhythm and they understood the pocket, then that communication goes a long way. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, for someone who's, who is, you know, taking their music out on the road, like with no end really in sight, tour also brings out the crazy in people. So <laughs> myself included. So, I mean, I'm sure there was years where I was just, you know, very like, in my own head maybe, or, you know, maybe just focused on other things, but I was always like there to play first and foremost, I was there to play and yeah. get the show and, and, and to move and feel something. People have different agendas sometimes too. You know, people might be on a, a trip that you don't know about till halfway through That's and uh, kind of have to remember what it's all about. And to me, it's in that, especially in that performance setting, it's, it's about making, it's about lifting up, you know, it's about feeling good and, yeah. and you have to do what's right for the music. And, um, currently I'm just with some amazing players that I just love and they're my good friends and we're getting to play a lot. Throughout the years, looking back on it, is, is the touring version of Night Beats similar to the recording versions for each album? Like, like the, the people you recorded each album with, are those usually the ones that go out on tour with you or is there... Uh, a little bit of a separation mm. between them. There's a separation. There's a separation, but there's also times when I, uh, there's also times when it's not. So for instance, Chris Scott right now is playing drums with me. He's an old friend. And, uh, while I was working on the news record, I asked him to come in and play because at that time we'd been playing together a little bit, some shows, um, he's, I invited him, you know, he's, he's a part of night beats and he wants to, you know, I, I just felt like it was, it was a great moment where he could just kill it. Like he does. Um, but with these new songs, like songs he's maybe heard the day before, you know, kind of thing. Oh, cool. So to me, I like that trial of fire shit, you know, yeah. like I, I, I kind of like to be like, okay, so we actually, I, so I might not even mention that we're doing tape. So I don't tell them that we have like one take, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> which wow. to the disgruntlement of <laughs> certain people make it a little harder sometimes, but to me, that's the magic. So yeah, I guess there's a separation because there's, you know, songwriting is always something that is a fluid thing inside my old noggin. So I don't really think that I, I don't like the idea of, of like kind of relying on other folks, if that makes sense. And maybe that's a defense mechanism. Who knows, man? I want to get psychological where <laughs> we can. I got all evening. Yeah. Um, no, but you know, I, I, it's, it comes back to the early stuff too, where I was saying like, you know, when I needed a drummer, I pick up the kit, you know, I picked yeah. up some sticks and I, and I, and I learned just like a shuffle beat, you know, I'll just try to learn some stone roses songs or something, you know? Ooh, nice. Um, like I, I just really felt like making an album needs to just, it needs to be a, a, a free pure process. And if people are playing with me, um, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily like a direct line between the studio musician and the performer. Okay. It's generally actually not that No, I guess I could have started with that. <laughs> but <laughs> That's how it goes. Hey, you know, this is just a, a fluid, relaxed conversation. <sighs> 
Yeah. We don't have to, exactly. we don't have to answer things directly. Nah, man. It's a fun nah, of that. Perspective, man. It's all relative, I, man. I should, I should change the name of this podcast. Literally, I mean, honestly, I've yeah. got like 320-something episodes out so far to just yeah. tangents. Tangents. That should be the name of this podcast. <laughs> I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's really, I, I got, I I got some material now, for you then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know how to get old of me. Oh man! But, well, all right. So, so out. Damn it, Albert just scared the crap out of me. Just licked my elbow. Oh my gosh! I, was, I didn't see him, and all of a sudden, I feel this wet thing on my elbow. I'm like, what? The? It's <laughs> good Al- thing it was Albert. I know. Yeah. All right. Kill me, Clyde. Making belly Clyde? laughs there. All right. So, <laughs> so there's a new album on the way out, mm-hmm. and at the time of this recording, it is not out yet. But mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be able to listen to it thanks to you. Yes, yes. And you've made something special. Hmm. This album is, it's just wonderful. I mean, from the opening track, Hot Ghee, which first of all, I love the name Hot Ghee. Thank you. <laughs> that, that is Thank awesome. You, it just makes me think Appreciate of like Isaac Hayes. Ah, nice one. Good, good. Some hot Hot geese soul. soul. <laughs> yeah. Hockey soul. I Amen. love it. But I love the song. on that is that is so yeah. awesome what are, what are you playing Thank in there it sounds sitar-ish it's actually a baglama i've a baglama. heard of that yeah it's um and i just like to got it like real nice and hot so it sounds a little distorted you know okay it's a it's a turkish instrument it's used like a lot in that region um there's a lot of different versions of it kind of but a baglama they're, they're big ones small ones but yeah it's a it's just this four strings beautiful piece of living music <laughs> you know it's just this thing i got to hold and it sounds uh, amazing yeah i, yeah, thank I you. love that that's a and so it's the opening track so it's the first thing i heard off of it and it that just set the tone perfectly for this album and the new album thank you is, is it rajan yes that's that's great awesome yeah. and that's your middle rajan. name right Sure is. It's it's one of my middle names. Yeah, <laughs> I got a long ass name. You got more. I don't have a middle name, so you got all. You you've got enough for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Which one you want? You can yeah. take. It's true. <laughs> Mark Rajan. Drop the papers. Drop the papers. Yeah. yeah. That's a uh, yeah. It's my mother's name. It's my maiden name. Yes. 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 Yeah. That Baglama though. That Baglama is the the coolest. You you know you never know, man. Like I I found that in a thrift shop and. Uh, I think I was in Garland, Garland, Texas. There's like a Garland thrift store. Okay. Yeah. Just sort of, you know, one of those things. Do you have a lot of weird instruments on this? Cause I, there's some very interesting sounds mm. on this. Like there's the hot ghee, but there's also nightmare. You've got this mm. really 
it's this awesome like soul sound, and then you've got this like crazy late 70s funky spaced out fuzz guitar going through it it's mm. just so cool thank you man really fun too yeah i i love that piano with the, the kind of like that jagged isley brother chord thing that they do like yeah. early jackson five kind of like um stabbing thing yes just yes. the same note the entire song oh i love it you know like that stuff was so fun <laughs> so fun to play and yeah vocal layering is something i really i really love to dive into deep i'm really interested in like kind of using vocals as I mean, in traditional sense, it just means kind of choral aspect, you know, kind of like using like multiple harmonies and layering to, to sort of like support parts. Okay. It's not, it's nothing new, but the way that I was thinking about it was, you know, it was one of the most just, I always wanted to be part of like a gospel choir, you know, like I went to Catholic church. I didn't go to like Baptist or, you know, some of the other more fun ones, you know, Same here. I still go. <laughs> There you go. Good for you. Go to the Latin mass. There you go. You know, I, the kind of singing that we would do in that church was, you know, a little bit more Western, I guess, in a way, you know, there's, there's less of a, a, a breaking of the soul as opposed to, you know, I don't know, um, coddling or something, you know, yeah. there's, there's certain, there's certain ways I think that different churches approach godliness oh, through yeah. art. Absolutely. Um, so the vocal layering on that was a really fun time where I got to sing with these other voices, them being me, but also okay. isolating them and sort of just real detailed sort of um, Easter egg almost. If Like that's the song I've been coming back to the most listening back because I just love certain, I, I talk about this stuff like it's not me, like me, like I'm just like, <laughs> like you're listening complimenting myself, yeah. but I'm not thinking of it like... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not thinking of it like, did this cool thing. Like, I remember when I hit that home run, oh, it went so far. <laughs> Fuck, that ball's probably broken. You know, like, no, it's not like that. But I do love this song. I do love this song because it's like those little things that like I, I just ended up keeping where I thought a lot of times I'd get rid of them. I said a lot more. I, I gave a lot more room for myself, I think, to, to just do. Yeah, and, and producing it and, and just recording it, being really focused in on it in sort of hypnotic ways is really fun. It's really fun for me. I'm hearing, like you mentioned, a lot of different sounds on the, the whole album. Are you a gearhead? Do you have a lot of different instruments and, and effects and things? Are you, are you something that you collect or are you just... I am a collector, but I am not a gearhead. I am currently a little limited on like uh, space and meaning that like on my left is my, is my MIDI keyboard literally next to my smoke here is my conga. The other conga is stuck in my closet. Uh, I have the baglama right next to me. I have oh, wow. about 
three guitars with me. I got my percussion instruments. I have, you know, shake, you know, you can always find the shaker. If it, you know, if, if I'm lost, just follow a trail of shakers somewhere. Um, but you know, like I like to keep, I'm a, I like to collect cool shit, man. You know, yeah. like to me, like the, the, the thing about hockey is that it came from something like just like a tendency of mine, you know, and finding things that fit in different ways is, is just the most exciting thing for me. So, you know, I, I, I'm not super, you know, literate with tech stuff okay. like tech talk and things. Yeah. Um, you know, if you showed me a, like a really rare, like thing, like on a board, you know, part of a rack at a studio, I, I probably don't know what it does. Okay. I most likely have no idea what it does, <laughs> <laughs> but if you were to play me something and compare it to another thing, I think I could hear it. You okay. Know? Okay. And I, and I know what I like too. Well, you that's, know? yeah, that's the thing. So. You've got the sound in your head. You know what you want. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from the basics, you know, it comes from my fundamentals of like what sounds real to me, like what makes something sound real. And then I go from there. I don't think that digital thought like things are, are, are like a lot of people are purists and I think that's yeah. close minded. So anything goes. One of the songs that just, kind of blew me away it was and it was so weird uh and I'll, the song's osaka yeah i love it 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 really fooled me because for the mm. first like 15, 14 15 seconds it's this slow chill sound and then the beat starts mm. and it completely changes the profile of the song but yes. i love it Such a cool song. Yeah. Hey, what are you using on that? Is that is that another strange instrument or is that um yeah, that's actually this old sound that created from I I'll tell you later how I made it. Okay. Um, but basically <laughs> basically it was um visually to me, you know, um I I sometimes write from a perspective of, you know, visually what what do I hear and like what does it sound like? For instance, like hockey, like what does that sound like? Like all those things included, like what does it sound like? Yeah. Um and Osaka, yeah, I, f I felt like we needed to be in a misty dojo at like 4:30 a.m. there needs to be something sitting on the in the corner in the courtyard that's growing. And then by the time that the drums and the, and the real sort of like trippiness of the tape delay and the vocals and the, and the choruses come in, you're already out the courtyard on the horse traveling to the mountaintop. Like you, okay. like, wow, that's where, that's what happens. And a lot of the, the kind of the lyrics and the, and the words of those songs are, you know, that old, old song, they call it some, some people call it like the like some of the foundations of, of hip hop actually, but you know, it's Bo Diddley and he's like riffing. He's just kind of like yeah. telling jokes and, and different things like that. So I really dig that. And I wanted to also use the time to 
honor a lot of folks with that moment. Okay. So, I mean, I say like Charlie Brown and stuff, but like there's a lot of like old musicians, R and B musicians, like Ruth Brown, Professor Longhair, different people that I actually just like straight up call for i summon or something you know and it's it's me like lighting candles you know it's like me sort of like honoring the people that like make what i you know why i'm here and everything Mm -hmm. so yeah thank you it's supposed to be like that you mentioned you described it interestingly like that landscape shift um is intentional in a way so you in that song in particular, you, you mentioned a scene in mm-hmm. that you're kind of evoking. Is that the mm-hmm. way you write normally? Are you, do, is it a visual aspect and you write us, you have something in your mind and you want to write a song that kind of represents what you're seeing or is it, is, yeah, is was that just an, an unusual different situation? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. But I'd say, yeah, sometimes is like. 40 to 50 percent right that would be like <laughs> what sometimes it means yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'd half, say something half like to that. less than half is definitely sometimes i think yeah i think everything's connected you know like <laughs> it's the same thing you know i think one of my favorite songs on the whole album and possibly your entire discography is cautionary tale oh wow thank you that song wow. it blows my mind to me it sounds like if black rebel motorcycle club wrote a song for sam cook this episode but he's definitely yeah. a presence in yes. in your music as a whole but yeah. to me it's like black rubber motorcycle club wrote a song for sam cook that was going to be in a david lynch movie mm. wow that's amazing that out that song almost got cut no! so that's, that's that's really amazing to hear you say that so I, that, that might be one of my favorites that you've written ever i love mm. that song wow, thank you so much thank you mark dusty jungle does he jungle to me? And I, I guess I keep referencing self. I'm self-referential in this a lot, but I guess I, that's kind of good with the territory. That yeah. that has a Robert Ben vibe to it. To me, he, mm. you know, he's got his a definite unique sound to his singing, to his bass playing. Mm. It that sounds like that was either an influence or maybe an homage to him. Was, was there any involvement in there, or was was it subconscious, subconscious? Because I definitely feel him in that song. Crash down now 
I, I think that's beautiful. I, I don't think that there's a, was a conscious thing like you're saying, but you know, this is all subconscious. Everything yeah. about writing is subconscious. So very well, you know, maybe it was, <laughs> just, maybe, maybe it was there. thinking about him. So, yeah. did you, he's one you, of my best friends. So no, that's yeah, awesome. he's, always in my heart. <laughs> is there any collaboration on this album with anybody? I mean, or was this basically just written on your own? Um, th- well, let's say, uh, Osaka, the song you mentioned, um, that, that features my friend Ambrose, who's, uh, just a brilliant musician. He plays in King Gizzard and the lizard wizard. Oh, um, they're awesome. He, yeah. He's doing some harmonica and he sings those choruses The you know, uh, yeah, the soaring vocals kind of like they come in. Um, yeah. So that was, and my friend Chris Masio, he helped getting that to that trippy place with the tape delay. Um, we we worked together on that one. So Osaka really is the one that has the most, or really anybody else, though, um, writing wise and things. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So are you planning on taking this out on the road at all? I know we had talked a little bit about some touring with some other bands and, and all, but are you taking night beats out on the road to support this at all? Yes. There's nothing booked besides Austin psych fest right now. I, um, I'm, I'm working on some, I'm working on some things. And as I said before, I'm preparing for this tour in June with my other group. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to, man. We've been playing these shows in, in SoCal the last few days here and oh, it feels good. It feels real good. It feels real good. <laughs> oh, yeah. it is awesome. It definitely is like, to me, like it's sort of uh, a given yeah. <laughs> that it's going to happen because I've awesome. been, I've been crafted this way. Yeah. I don't know. I've been <laughs> capitalistic fucking slave over here. I don't know. No, but it's built into the performer's life, man. You know, like there's like an element to stuff. Like I, 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 I dream of those people. I, I don't know if I dream of it, but I think of the folks that like get to a point where they just create, you know, I mean, the Beatles did it, but you know, they, they get to a point where they just make albums for the studio. Yeah. And, um, I think that is like kind of a luxury that doesn't necessarily precipitate creative freedom, you know, I, in a way like, I, I, like touring should be done a certain way after a while, you know, like just to get out there and play and play and play, you you have to be in a place where like your, your mind is right for it. You know, um, I can imagine and that's, that's kind of like my main focus right now, you know, like getting, getting to a place where like the tours look like things that are, are just exactly, you're not, not exactly because nothing's perfect, but you know, you get to a point where you, you, you want to just do it right and be around the people and play the venues without, you know, thinking about like ticket sales and all the, all the things that like go into it behind, which, you know, you kind of inherit when you do things all yourself anyways. But, um, yeah, I'm very looking forward to playing hockey a lot more times. Oh, so So, in blue playing that song has been fun. Yeah. Oh, that's another, that's man. This album is my favorite night beats album to date. It's oh, wow. Thank you. It's just so, I don't know. It's, it's hard to put into words. It's, but it's, I just go back to it all mm. the time. I've listened to it so many times in, mm. in the past several, since you sent me that link, it's just, oh, man. I cannot wait to actually get a, a and I'm going to have to get a physical copy. I'm like, I'm one of those guys that have oh, to get yeah. a physical copy or else I don't feel like I actually have it. 
Definitely. I'll, I'll send you the the artist version or whatever, which has like a special poster in it too. Oh, that'll be um, amazing. Yeah, I'll make sure I save you one more. Oh, I appreciate that. Sure. I got so bummed today, record store day, because I, oh, yeah. I had Happy my record. record well, I had my local record store. They participate. And mm-hmm. like uh, two months ago, I'm like, hey, Black Ripple Motorcycle Club's coming out with Live at Levitation. Can you get me a copy? And I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll write it down. And yeah. today I called and I'm like, hey, did you guys get it? I'm like, Oh no, no! Oh. Dang, what happened? Did you get in the mail in time? I don't know. I think they smoke a lot of pot and they just forgot. <laughs> I think it's this guy and his son, and they're just—I don't know. Even when they're there, they're just like not there. I like yeah. them. They're they're nice, super nice guys, but their whole system, their whole uh, way of ordering this stuff was like they took an old receipt and they wrote my the, what it was and my phone number down. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I, I guess if I should have known at that point, I'm just like, oh, my, yeah. my chances of getting this are pretty slim. Make <laughs> so. you drive to, yeah, make you drive to DC or something <laughs> for it. Um, uh, yeah, the, the record store, they don't make it easy on you either. Cause you know, it's like, I'll be the first to say, go support your local record shop, you know, oh, yeah. but yeah, you have to pre-order it sometimes and it yep. gets like lost in the back order. You never know, man. Oh yeah. And I know the BRMC only had, the uh, flexi disc is like limited to 4,000 worldwide or so. So, Oh, cool. So I've have in my, well, I have to wait till next week and when they, my wife gets paid again, but we, I've got the, mm. uh, the, the disc itself is I've got it in my Amazon cart waiting. That, mm. That's my record store now to get this. So it's in my cart <laughs> waiting to hit checkout, but I don't know if it's going to have the, uh, the flexi disc in it or not, but the flexi. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you could probably order it from levitation too. Like just like from their website, they might have a, have a link. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. I have to check, man. Yeah, never know. So, all right. So the album is slated to come out is it in June, July, July. Okay. July. Mm-hmm. So what's the best way for people to pre-order it or find it and follow you and see what you're doing and, and follow you on, t- on your many tour adventures with your many bands. Ah, yes. Uh, ooh, uh, <laughs> listen to the record. Well, there's Bandcamp, uh, right? Well, there's Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, we got the, the record on, in, it's in the matrix. It's like on the Spotify and the Apple and the the pair and the Spotify and the <laughs> and you can, and, can you pre order it on uh, on uh, yeah you sure can yeah uh yeah yeah Bandcamp I believe you can pre order it but there's um there's a link on our Instagram that usually oh, works cool. for a lot of stuff like it just has like a when you click it and then it shows like all the stores you can pre order it from and I always recommend local stores please support yes. small businesses. Absolutely. But also tour dates and yeah, it goes to the band camp and the website and things. And uh, yeah, you search night beats pre-order. It should okay. be, should be good. And Just it, shoot me a message if you can't find it and I'll, I'll link you. There you go. <laughs> and, Small operation over here. <laughs> and you're on uh, social media. Is that what the best Just to follow? Pop, pop operation. Yeah. <laughs> no mom. No mom. No mom. Pop. Not yet. Not yet. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So in, and Instagram, is that the best uh, social media platform? Is that, that the one you prefer or do you, do you care? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, we get to post photos and stuff and running a website. I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yeah. for that. <laughs> I mean, we have a website. I just, 
don't really know how it works and you know there's there should be a, a shop link okay there should be a shop link okay. pre-order but if it's if it's not up to date then <laughs> definitely instagram and uh yeah eventually we'll get we'll get the site working and you know all right so so it's uh at night beats on instagram is that it uh at the night beats the night beats okay and yeah and uh, Suicide Squeeze Records also will have all the links you need. Suicide Squeeze Records and Fuzz Club Records in the oh, UK. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's uh, world, worldwide between the two of those guys. Awesome. So, and Night yeah. Beats, the nightbeats.us, is that the website? Or is it different? Yes. I'm just pulling up off of Google yes. right now. That's the first one that popped up. So Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Yeah, you might want to check it's not that all edited out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make some stern phone calls yeah, yeah. that's okay <laughs> hey you know no they ever you can you could find the album for sure and of course yeah, yeah. get a hold of me if you can't look and if, if you don't find it you're gonna find the sam cook album which is pretty yes, good too. which is a win-win you know yeah, you know exactly. yeah, and, uh, or you'll find the 50s band yeah. and you'll be like <laughs> Dang, what the hell? <laughs> What's going on? Awesome, man. This has been a, a ton of fun, man. Thank you so yeah, much. Man. Thank you, Mark, man. It's been so pleasurable and comfortable. And uh, I hope to do it again. some orcas and some dolphins and fish over there that like they've heard of the second record and <laughs> like you know they they saw you live in the Barcelona or yeah. something or, what would you do to achieve the American dream the big house the happy family the money would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. 
Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.